You are Locked On Ravens, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Ravens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Ravens podcast. I'm Matthew Stevens. You can catch me at Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL, joined by Jacob Troxel, which you can catch on Twitter at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. Uh, we are always your, your hosts here on the Locked on Ravens podcast. Uh, big game, obviously the final preseason game. Huge things to go ahead and talk a little about there. And then we're going to dip a little bit into the 53-man roster, which admittedly we kind of recorded uh, you know, the other day just because there's so much going on and it's midnight as we're recording this now uh, in order to give you the kind of the breaking news from the game. But let me go ahead and mention our sponsors real quick. Uh, we're going to be brought to you today by DraftKings and Hymns. So let's recap this this Ravens-Redskins game, the Battle of the Beltway, as it were, the final preseason game, number five for the Ravens. Uh, they go ahead and pull out a victory, 30-20. to 20. Uh, All in all, everybody looked pretty solid. Uh, is there anything that stood out to you, Jacob? Yeah, no big negatives, a lot of kind of smaller positives, and I don't think anything really changed too much in the 53-man roster projections other than uh, some potential injuries, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but we don't. We still, even now, don't have all of the injury information, and uh, you know, as the days go by, I think we'll uh, get, a li- get, a, get a little bit more of uh, that information. So I don't think the Ravens really exactly know where they're at. Uh, with those but some of the positives first um, this is a guy we kind of talked a little bit about previously was Mark Andrews he got going early and I think that was a good sign obviously because uh, of Hayden Hurst being out the first couple weeks due to injury so good to see their other rookie tight end kind of step up and this is uh, this was the first game Lamar Jackson started I believe and he came out and looked pretty good Uh, started seven for nine almost threw an interception uh, in the end zone. The ball was a little bit underthrown to Perryman. But um, I think those two guys were, were I guess, if you want to call them the standout uh, type of performers. There are a few other guys I'll get into, but um, I think those were the two main guys. Yeah, I mean, certainly Jackson finished 9 of 15 for 109 yards, uh, an 82.4 quarterback rating. But where he really and always does shine is on the ground. He had three attempts. 25 yards and a score uh, on the ground. So, and Andrews, you, know, you kind of mentioned that that was a 45-yard play, just right up the seam. I mean, it was it was a beautiful pass, uh, led Andrews out of the way of the uh, defender, so he could go ahead and run. He was able to bounce off a guy and then continue rumbling for a bunch of extra yards. So, kind of something in which you might be able to see that in the future, those two guys might be able to connect in a big way, you know, in a few years down the line uh, when both of them are kind of the starters. Um, for me, you know, I, I absolutely think it was the defensive line that stood out in a big way. We saw Ricard uh, all, all day long. We saw Bronson Kafusi all night long. We saw Chris Wormley again, all white night long. Um, you know, some injury news, which we'll get into here in just a second, which is a little disappointing. Um, really, I only had two duds in this game personally, and that was Prashad Perryman, who just made zero effort to try to knock down that interception or, or even make a play for the football. Um, and then he didn't even really seem to try to touch the defender after he seemingly grabbed the interception. It ended up being bobbled and, and, and 
not an interception, but not exactly a strong showing from Perryman, who had 24 yards on three receptions. Uh, and then Jermaine Illuminor, who uh, had one penalty and the only sack in the game uh, was, was based on, on a bad play from him. So not a positive from him as well. Uh, but injury news is, is really the big thing out of this game. It's the final preseason game. Like you mentioned, not a lot of roster spots are really going to be won or lost here. Uh, two big injury news things, which we still don't entirely know everything about, and we'll probably have to do that a little bit more uh, when we record Friday, and, and we'll find out a little bit more then. But Stanley Jean, Jean-Baptiste, uh, the cornerback who looked like, you know, I think we both had him on our 53-man roster in place of Jimmy Smith's uh, uh, four-game suspension spot. Uh, he appears to have broken his arm against the Redskins. He came out earlier in the game kind of holding it and went to the locker room. John Harbaugh says it appears to be a broken arm. Uh, and then Ravens rookie linebacker Kenny Young spotted in a knee brace at halftime. Uh, Harbaugh has no real report on him at this point. Um, but it's never a positive to see a guy who was expected to to fight for a starting job uh, in a knee brace in this final preseason game. Um, I'm sure there's a few other guys that we'll kind of hear about tomorrow uh, and, and as the rest of this kind of week progresses, but those are the two big injury news. Uh, you know, Jacob, is there anything uh, from this game that, that I think you can take away from this and, and apply it more toward the, the regular season, or is this just a matter of a bunch of depth guys doing depth things and and fighting maybe for the last three, four, five roster spots on this team. No, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it there. Um, I mean a few other guys that I thought stood out. Uh, you know, like you said, Kafusi was one. Um, possibly could trade him for a draft pick. I'm not sure what the Ravens are expecting in return for that guy, a former third round pick himself. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get something done before Saturday, that 4 p.m. deadline. Uh, Chris Board, also another guy who was leading the team in tackles in that first half and uh, just, you know, quietly kind of doing his job. And that's kind of what you hope to see from your linebackers. You know, even when they're not making, you know, big plays or sa- getting sacks, forcing fumbles, interceptions, they're still around the ball all the time uh, making plays. So that was good to see from him. And I thought Delance Turner, again, had uh, another good game. He's really been building uh, slowly on some performances throughout the preseason. He finished this preseason now with 159 yards on 22 carries. And I think you can make the case that he's looked like the most agile running back uh, that the Ravens have had this preseason. He's just very shifty. Um, He's quick on his feet. Every time he... I, I almost want to see him uh, back returning punts or kicks because he seems like he can make two or three guys miss on every single play. Um, so, you know, not that he'll be on the roster spot for that. Cause obviously that was between uh, Janarian Grant and Tim white, but I think he's a good candidate for a practice squad spot. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys shined in this game and it's going to be interesting to see how that practice squad really formulates because you know, Mark Thompson, not not going to make this roster. No offense to him, but he's just not. Uh, Delance Turner, not going to make this roster. Again, no offense to him. Uh, you know, Jordan Leslie and Tim, or excuse me, uh, uh, Tim White and Janarian Grant are both guys that are in that obvi- obvious, that fight for the, the roster spot as the returner. Um, but both of those guys could also be 
put to the practice squad as well. So a lot of a lot of talent on this team that you just can't keep. I, I'd, I'd love it if Baltimore could keep like 70 guys. I'd have 70 spots filled out for these guys, but they just can't. Yeah. Make things a lot easier. And I uh, think the Ravens have some good problems on their hands with some of these guys. Even though, you know, you've had, like I said, a couple injuries um, with a few of these guys you still have depth in pretty much, uh, I mean, we even like, um, you know, tonight after we saw that uh, Jean-Baptiste was injured, uh, Kai Nakua came up with a great play, ripped a pass play for a pick six. Yeah. So it's just like one guy goes down and another one steps up. I think you can plug and play a lot of different guys on the back end of this roster into certain spots and, and have them find success. And there's so much veteran leadership around this team too, in, in like a lot of different positions. There's really no position on this team that doesn't have a veteran leader that can pull someone aside and be like, Hey, look, like this is, this is how you need to look at this. Uh, I think it was Eric Weddle who was uh, showing Naku on the sidelines, like a certain route. And that was uh, seemed like it was the route that he had jumped. So uh, you just kind of go down the list and there's veterans all across the board that can help out guys in all these different spots. So even if the Ravens do have to keep a couple of these young players due to injuries, it's, I don't think it's going to be too big of a burden for them. Like I said, just because they have so many uh, player coaches, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't want to be this coaching staff when it comes time to make these final cuts. So many guys that you can kind of plug and play, like you mentioned, uh, really tough decisions that are going to have to be made in the next few days. Well, guys, if you're going ahead and, and, following the draft and 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 following uh you know this team that closely chances are you're probably also playing around with some fantasy football i know i am uh, i'm pretty sure you are as well jacob it is crunch time for fantasy football and locked on is delivering locked on has a brand new fantasy football show called locked on fantasy football 24 7 fantasy football 24 7 will give you the latest trends the hottest roster moves and where to get the advantage plus Ethan Turner, our injury expert, gives you the edge. Locked on Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. All right, excellent. We are here to talk about the 53-man roster on the defense. Uh, I'm Matthew Stevens. You can catch me on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. I'm joined by Jacob Troxel, who you can find on Twitter at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. I want to do a quick preface on this. We were actually recording this Wednesday, this portion of this Wednesday. Uh, obviously, both of us cover the, the football games for our, our respective other jobs, uh, which means it's a 7.30 start time. We're not going to get out of anything until after midnight. Uh, and the last thing we want to do is go ahead and try to then try to figure out the defensive 53-man roster while we're maybe a little punch drunk after a long game. Uh, so some of this stuff is probably going to change. By the time roster cutdowns actually happen, injuries happen, uh, you know, a, a variety of different things could potentially happen. So just want to preface that our 53-man roster uh, for the defense is going to maybe be a little skewed since it's actually being recorded Wednesday night. Uh, but Jacob, let's talk a little about safety. I mean, that's kind of one of the key positions in this secondary. Uh, who do you have kind of making this team? Well, safety here. You switched it up on me. Let me scroll oh, down. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my safety notes in front of me. Okay, I'm good. Um, so I think with Deshaun Elliott's injury, I think he would have been the fifth guy. 
Yeah. Um, otherwise, now without him, I think uh, Eric Weddle, Tony Jefferson, Chuck Clark, and uh, Anthony Levine Sr. are going to be uh, those four guys. Um, I, I think they're going to have enough talent. Really, it's just about getting through those first four games without Jimmy Smith. Uh, and then assuming he is good to go the rest of the season, I think they have enough enough depth uh, really just as defensive in their defensive back uh, region as a whole. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. I mean, I had four safeties making it regardless what was going to happen uh, with Deshaun Elliott. But obviously, like you mentioned, he fractured his arm against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and while he's not on injured reserve right now, you know, Coach Harbaugh did say that that's going to pretty much end his season. He's he's done for the year. It's just a matter of filling out the paperwork to actually get him on injured reserve. Uh, seems to be really where that's at. Uh, I actually had Elliott making it over Levine Sr. just because I think they're they're going to try to push toward Chuck Clark and Elliott eventually being their, their two starting safeties once the Eric Weddle and, and Tony Jefferson show kind of ends. But, yeah, realistically, it's just... I, I think that's where it's going to be at. But by being able to have Elliott on injured reserve, uh, Anthony Levine does so much on this defense. I mean, he plays linebacker, cornerback, slot, uh, uh, safety as well. He just kind of does everything. Chuck Clark's also in that same type of a role. You, you can't pass up two guys that are so versatile as that, uh, which is something that we mentioned with you know the offensive side of things. Versatility is king on this team this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's the key uh, on both sides of the ball. Versatility, for sure. So, well, let's go ahead and talk a little about cornerback. And and you mentioned it just a minute ago, but Jimmy Smith's suspension. Uh, he was suspended for. We won't get into to the nitty gritty details that was on a previous episode, but he was suspended four games for violating uh, the NFL's personal conduct policy. Uh, so he will come back week five. That kind of messes things up a little bit, and, and in terms of a suspension, he technically speaking doesn't count as a roster spot until he's reinstated. So Baltimore actually kind of gets to keep a guy for maybe four games before Jimmy Smith comes back, and then they can figure out what they're going to do with their roster at that point. How many cornerbacks do you think actually make this team as of right now if we don't count Jimmy Smith? So I think think it will be at six because I think Stanley Jean-Baptiste will take that six spot with, like you said, Jimmy Smith not being there. Um, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, um, Anthony Averett, and uh, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste. And uh, wait, who's the other guy? Do I, where, where's my... Oh, uh, Maurice... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm always, oh, geez, I'm always losing people. Uh, but yeah, um, that those six guys, um, I think are the guys they, they can start with. And, um, again, a little bit of versatility. I really like Averett again, an Alabama guy, uh, that, uh, Ozzie knew some drafts. I think he'll be, I, I was very impressed with him in the college football, uh, uh, playoff at times. Just, um, you know, he seemed like he was, uh, making a couple big plays uh, towards the end of that season. So I like him, and I think these cornerbacks will be able to hold their own without Jimmy Smith, um, especially with the schedule favoring them a little bit. You and I are right on the money with cornerbacks here. I have six. I have the same six, and for the same exact reasons. Obviously, Humphrey Carr, those two are your starters for the first four games. You know, Both of them were kind of battling out for the spot opposite Jimmy Smith. So 
Ravens obviously see them as two starters regardless. Um, so obviously they're, they're going to start in place of Jimmy Smith. Uh, then it's Tavon Young and Maurice Kennedy, who Baltimore, again, loves both those guys so much. Averett really did a good job against the Colts. He was targeted, what, three separate times or you know straight times in the end zone in that Indianapolis Colts game, and he was able to bat balls away. He was able to kind of shut down his guy pretty well. Uh, I think that, that was his flash of the preseason that really showed you that he might be a guy for the future that you kind of stash on there. Maybe he doesn't do a lot this first year, but you, you just let him kind of get used to the speed of the game, kind of like what they did with Marlon Humphrey last year, really. Um, and then, yeah, Jean-Baptiste uh, has there, – there's always that guy every single preseason where you go, wow, how, you can't cut that guy. What Jalen Hill was that like last year – um, Tavon Young was there. Kennedy was there as well. Uh, John Baptiste is just another one of those guys that the Ravens seem to find out of nowhere who turn into major players for them in the long term. Yeah. So, and let me ask you, do you looking down the road here, those first, uh, you know, the preseason, I mean, sorry, the regular season, looking at those first four games, where do you think, or I guess, let me phrase it this way. How do you think these guys will fare holding down without Jimmy Smith? You know, I think whenever you don't have Smith, it's not a positive. I mean, Smith was a shutdown corner last year when healthy, and he wasn't even really 100% healthy last year. You know, the, the guy was on lock for an all-pro before his Achilles injury. Um, I, you know, that's not a positive. But that being said is Humphrey and Carr handled themselves well down the stretch you know, from, from the cornerback role and with Young completely healthy, with Kennedy completely healthy, you have Averitt now who has shown some ability. Um, and then Baptiste maybe is just an extra guy floating around. You can kind of substitute Averitt and, and John Baptiste around. I, I think they're going to be okay. It's not exactly like the first five, four games are a murderer's row of, of quarterbacks. It's, you know, Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen in the first game. And then it's whoever the Broncos decide to, put a helmet on that week. Uh, I mean, really their toughest battle is going to be against Ben Roethlisberger, which is tough, but um, you know, you have three games that aren't necessarily scary from a secondary standpoint. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, basically it comes down to who's going to cover AJ green against yeah. the Bengals. Uh, who's going to cover or try to cover Antonio Brown against the Steelers. And really the only other thing that might give them problems is uh i'm i'm really high on Cortland sutton the denver wide receiver if he's able to get off to a good start you already have demarius thomas emmanuel sanders there uh like like you said you know if quarterback wise maybe we're not 100 percent sure how that's going to go how he's going to gel with his receivers early um but if with those three guys i think there is some talent there so it really just depends on um, how they're able to uh, kind of gel early in the season. Uh, but that game is home for the Ravens. So, uh, you know, home game, a little bit of a comfort level. I think they'll be fine, but I, that is just something to keep on the radar. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, a quick note, uh, you know, Denver has a talented wide receiver group, but it is worth pointing out that they didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver last year. Their top was uh, Demarius Thomas. 949 yards on 83 receptions and five touchdowns. Not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Baltimore would pay large amounts of money for that type of production. 
But, uh, you know, when you have insert name here for a quarterback throwing them, uh, it, it doesn't exactly lead to an all-star <laughs> offense either. Well, well yeah, their, their leading passer last year was Trevor Simeon with like 2,285 yards. So, yeah. um, you know, you can only do so much when uh, that's your – those are your leading passers numbers. Um, but I, I think they'll be a little bit better this year uh, on the offensive uh, side of things. So, like I said, just something to keep on the radar. And um, I think depth-wise, that might be the toughest game they have to uh, come across. Well, you in, mentioned in those first four in those first four games without yeah, Smith. That, that's I think that's perfectly fair. I mean, it, it's not exactly like I said. It's not a murderer's row, but you know there is talent there. But I, I think. I trust Carr and, and Humphrey to be able to lock things down well enough. But you mentioned Cortland Sutton. Obviously, if you're a college guy, you followed him all the way through. If you're a college guy, you're going to want to go ahead and check out the college shows that the Locked On Network has. So the Locked On Network is expanding with college shows, launching soon shows for Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, and the SEC, Florida State and the ACC, Oklahoma and Baylor from the Big 12, Ohio State, and Penn State in the Big Ten, and Oregon in the Pac-12, and there's more to come. Seriously, the entire lineup is exploding. If you're a college guy, go find your team on the Locked On Podcast Network, and you will be able to go ahead and follow them, just like you follow us. Uh, I'm Matthew Stevens, Matthew S underscore NFL on Twitter, and Jacob Troxel is joining me. He's my co-host, Trox3, T-R-O-X-3 on Twitter. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about the 53-man roster on the defensive side. And again, just a quick preface this. this is We're recording this Wednesday night because Thursday night is just going to be way too hectic for us to really be able to get into the 53-man roster after the final game. So things might change. But outside linebacker, we kind of touched on this in, in one of the previous episodes. Kamale Correa got traded to the Tennessee Titans for a six-round pick. That pretty much settles the outside linebacker battle, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this leaves the team with five starters. So you got yeah. Terrell Suggs, Matthew Judon, Darius Smith, Tyus Bowser, and Tim Williams. Yep, that's that's your five. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, really, I guess the only, uh, I guess we can we just kind of expand on, on that a little bit since there's really no debate in those five guys. I guess the only concern here for this group is uh, if Terrell Suggs goes down, uh, with an injury, uh, knock on wood. Um, I know he he is getting up there uh, in age, and um, so that's just something to keep an eye on. I don't know how uh, often they plan to use him if they are going to change anything at all. I, I, um, you know, I still think he's very capable of being a very very talented guy. By all signs, not really slowing down anytime soon, but um, you know, still a great pass rusher and. That's really the only thing I think that could derail this group. Um, they do have a lot of depth, so I'm excited to see what they can do. I think this pass rush is going to be a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, Baltimore really only keeps five outside linebackers, so the fact that Correa is no longer involved in it, really, it, it kind of just makes it easy for, for the Ravens when it comes to this part. Uh, to, to follow up with what you said about Suggs, certainly I'm, I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Um, but 
I think if, if Suggs were to go down, Judon immediately slides over to his role. He's done a lot better this preseason of, of setting the edge and just being that kind of all-around three-down linebacker that Suggs is. Uh, and then Tim Williams, if he continues his trajectory that we've seen from this preseason, probably fits into that Judon role uh, as that just pure kind of pass rusher that you, you then try to figure out with Zadarius Smith and, and maybe move those guys around a little bit uh, in an effort to figure things out with Ty's Bowser fitting in somehow. But so yeah, I, I think they can figure that out inside linebacker is really kind of where I think the, the toughest battle is obviously you've got CJ Mosley, but who starts next to CJ Mosley? So I think really the toughest, uh, the, the toughest thing for this defense is, is, not necessarily the linebackers. I think it's going to be uh, CJ CJ Mosley. Um, I'll let you go ahead and say, Mister Patrick. Uh, I'm just going to say peanut for right now while I look up the pronunciation <laughs> again. Oh. Okay, I'll take that. Um, yeah, I noticed. I noticed. Uh, you know, more and more announcers are just going with that. I don't, and I can't blame them. <laughs> no, um, I've actually got uh, it. Just on Wu Asor. On Wu There you go. There you go. Um, and uh, here's an easy one. Kenny Young. I yep. got that one right. Yep. And uh, Chris Board, I guess, is the four. I, I differ from you on that one, but I, I, I agree that it's, it's obviously Mosley. It's Peanut. It's uh, Kenny Young. My fourth guy as of right now is Albert McClellan. The guy is kind of their captain. I mean, he, he actually has been a team captain over the last few years, uh, and he's a big special teams guy, and you know how much Harbaugh loves special teams, plus that experience that McClellan has, I think, at that inside linebacker spot. Um, just it makes it tough to let him go, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, big time, uh, big time, you know, like you said, captain and a, a tough guy. Uh, to have in the locker room. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's a toss up again. Yeah. Um, I uh, was reading the, I was flipping through my notes again when I uh, looked at linebackers. I was like, Oh, this is an easy group an easy for, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. No, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, you got the McClellan versus board thing here going on. So um, yeah, I think either way, I kind of understand what um, the Ravens are going at, whether they go with, board or mcclellan um but it seems like the ravens do i mean i think what is it almost every year uh the last couple years they brought in an undrafted um rookie so maybe he's the guy who keeps that trend going um i'm not sure we'll have to see but um you know either way like i said either way i can understand what the ravens are doing there yeah you know i i I agree with you on that one. I, I can see it's McClellan aboard, I think, are your two guys right there. Uh, Bam Bradley has been on the pup list, and Alvin Jones just, you know, he's not there. He's, he's really a practice squad guy. So it's board's been the one that's done the, the, the best. And just like I mentioned with safety, you know, it depends. If, if Baltimore is really trying to go ahead and push for that young aspect to, to maybe take the reins, then, yeah, McClellan, I think, is out and board's in. Uh, it, it just it depends on on really how hard Baltimore is going to kind of rebuild their roster for the future, or should I should I say retool their roster for the future? 
Um, yeah, and again, another another thing to keep in mind too, these Ravens is there's a lot on the line this year for the Ravens, the whole organization. I mean, yeah. uh, they've never missed the playoffs four consecutive years. I think even dating back to uh, the first four years uh, here in Baltimore. So, you know, everyone wants to get to the playoffs this year. They don't care how they get there or if they have to keep, you know, 10 receivers and <laughs> one quarterback, you know, they, they'll do whatever it takes to get back to the playoffs. Um, so if they see a guy that just is able to help them this year, who they think is in a better position, maybe they go with him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what their thought process is with, with that in mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's also going to carry over to the defensive line. Um, you know, there's some, some young talent there and maybe some talent that is, uh, has not lived up to its potential thus far, a la Kamala Correa at the outside linebacker spot. Um, I, I think at this point, my, my list is I have six based on where I've kept everybody else. Do you go seven? Do you go eight? Do you go even maybe more at, at defensive line for yourself, Jacob? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm making sure I did the math here, right? <laughs> I think I have seven. I think I have seven roster spots left with, uh, with the 53. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking at seven. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and read your list first since I keep going first. I, I feel bad. So go ahead. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Uh, so I, I obviously you've got Brandon Williams. You've got Michael Pierce. You've got Brent Urban and Willie Henry. Those guys locks to make this team. I think even at this point, really Patrick Ricard's a lock to make this team. The guy just does so much. I can't see you getting rid of him. My last guy, I, I, I have changed this every single roster projection I've done. But this time I have Carl Davis. I think it's, again, that versatility. He's played all three spots along that defensive line, and right now he's listed as a defensive end. And when you're talking about Brent Urban's health, I love Brent Urban. Me and him have texted a few times, had him on uh, you know, for interviews in the past. I just I don't think you can really necessarily rely on his health, if we're being honest. And having a guy who is also a defensive end in Carl Davis uh, and can float on the inside maybe for Willie Henry, while he's out with that hernia surgery, that's huge for this team. Um, I have a strange feeling, and I, and I don't want to necessarily blow your list, but I think Zach Seiler is going to be on your list, and I almost put him on mine, but I would have had to have taken someone away from somewhere else. Yeah, so I think, like I said, uh, I'm pretty sure I got this math right, but I think I'm at seven, so that means he is uh, my seventh guy on there. Yeah. Um, and... I just think he's uh, he's adjusted well to uh, the NFL level. Uh, obviously, this is this is a guy coming from Division Two football, so um, I, I don't think he's looked. You know, sometimes you see some of these guys that come in from even like not even FBS that like FCS level, and they just look out of place, right? Uh, yeah. They just look just like the game speed is. That's that's one of the biggest things you hear about guys coming into the league. You know. Uh, the game speed is the toughest thing to adjust. Even veterans, like that's why they play in preseason games is just to get used to game speed uh, because practice can't necessarily replicate that. So, um, yeah, I mean, so Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, Willie Henry, Brent Urban, Chris Wormley, and uh, Carl Davis, uh, along with him, is seven. Um, and uh, I have seven just because I had... Uh, I think I had did I, I had six receivers and you yeah. had seven. You, you so had that's where we. Receivers. 
yeah, so that's that's where we uh, differ there. Um, so yeah, the, those are my uh, seven, and I think the Ravens always pride themselves on defense. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe even it's not this position, but somewhere else. I know I said I think they would have kept five safeties if Elliott were healthy. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised too if they keep an extra guy or two on defense just to make sure that uh, you know they have another top five, top ten defense or something. Uh, maybe it's a guy who they think is versatile. Uh, obviously, you know Ricard will definitely be on the roster. I think his value uh, both on both sides of the ball is something that not a lot of guys bring to the table. And um, and I love me some fullbacks, so you got to keep him on the roster. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I know. I mean, so I just think you know they're afforded a little bit of extra depth there um, without the uh, six receivers or with the six receivers. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the harder decisions. And and I will say this: if watching, obviously, again, we're we're doing this before the the final preseason game. If Siler isn't on the field at all for this preseason game, the Ravens are trying to hide him. They're trying to go ahead and stash him on, on practice squad, and they don't want any more film on him out there. Um, so if you've watched the game and you don't see Siler at all, that's why. Uh, look for him to go ahead and try to slide through the, the waiver wire to the practice squad. If you do see him, it's probably because they really want to try to give him a shot to make this roster, uh, and they just want to really finalize it for him. Uh, so very good point. Tough yeah, decisions. It's always, I mean, I, as much as I try to read into things like that in the preseason, when I'm watching and thinking about like, why would they do something like that? Why would they give someone t- uh, snaps with the second team instead of the third team? Or, you know, like, are they trying to give someone opportunity or are they trying to make them look good? Those are all things that yeah. like we can speculate on as much as we want to but it's still very tough to know what the coaches are thinking. And obviously they're not going to, um, they're not going to come out and say why they're doing uh, something like that. So uh, those things are always tough to tell. That's probably the toughest part about our jobs in the preseason is looking at all of this and kind of sorting it out and who's playing against what first team and how the second team played against the third team and, um, you know, there's just a, a huge mix of players all over the place, and you're just trying to sort out and kind of grade um, all of that uh, on top of each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, that's that's our 53-man roster at this point. That's what's kind of where we're at projection-wise. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, and hopefully we're right. Obviously, it's Wednesday. But there's probably going to be some trades. There's probably going to be some guys that are even on the roster as of Wednesday. They're going to be on the roster as of Saturday. So uh, chances are we're wrong. But you know what? That's the fun of doing what we do on this end. Uh, if you want to, go ahead and again, hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnRavens. That is at LockedOnRavens. You can find Jacob at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL send us kind of what your predictions are do you think we're right do you think we're wrong do you think that there's anybody that we just missed completely which you know can happen uh you know sh- shoot us your your thoughts your ideas and then make sure you you follow us uh on Twitter and just subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify as well uh and, and make sure you get our episodes five days a week because we will be here five days a week every single week 
for you for the Locked On Ravens podcast. Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, I think next episode is really going to be talking about the 53-man roster and how it actually formulated, uh, maybe saying how right we were or how wrong we were, uh, as well as maybe talking a little bit about some of the X-Factor players that, uh, you know, we kind of see making a big impact on this roster that maybe other guys don't. Yeah, some kind of, uh, we'll take a look at that, some guys to keep an eye on. And also next week, we're going to do a little uh, AFC North division preview. And uh, we'll also be um, getting ready for the regular season. So uh, plenty to stay tuned for next week. All right, well, that was Locked On Ravens podcast. Uh, Go ahead and again, follow us at Locked On Ravens on Twitter. Have a good night. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.